Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wizard Apprentice Podcast. I'm your host, Seth, and welcome to this episode of The World We Live In, where we answer questions about world building and character creation. Question of the day is how do I build better shops for my D&D campaign? But first, let me tell you about what you're listening to. The Wizard Apprentice Podcast is designed for players and DMs alike to get short, informational, and purposeful talks to help make D&D more enjoyable and smooth. With talks from world building, character creation, practical guides on monsters, and much more, we are dedicated to improving your game. So again, the question of the day is how do I build better shops for my D&D campaign? Yesterday was Black Friday, uh, as of recording this. Uh, yesterday was Black Friday, and it was, um, for in my, in my experience at least, it was crazy, right? <laughs> I um, go shopping for a couple of things for myself and for family and for Christmas, thinking ahead, and it's pandemonium. People are all over the place, and people are, some of them are a little sassy and all that stuff, whatever. But we as humans just like to shop. We like to buy things. We like we like to spend our hard-earned money on things that we feel like we deserve. And I get it. And I totally get it. But that doesn't only stop at our lives. It also exists in our D&D games. And our shops and our worlds are important to our D&D games. And they actually do a lot more than just give the characters items and equipment. A good, D&D, a good shop in your D&D world can serve as a primary way for their party to get supplies and equipment it creates and fleshes out npcs and it helps build and grow the world that the characters live in by giving real examples of what the not only the economy but also just the average state of affairs in a city and so in your DD campaigns designing your guys's shops can be a really cool moment to world build on a smaller scale because we're not necessarily talking about the gods that created the world or or the the evil the evil doers that lie at the deep underbelly of the city. We're just talking about the the average person, the guild artisan, the merchant, the blacksmith, the tavern keeper. Who are these people, and what do they do, and how a glimpse into their lives and their um, their work. And so it can be a really cool way to world build on a smaller scale for your D&D campaigns. And so shops have a pivotal role, not only for world building, but also for the characters themselves and building out their equipment. Um, every character, some more than others, wants cool items. And a majority of the time, you're going to get items from shops, from a blacksmith who's going to make your weapons from a um, magic shop that's going to sell you a bag of holding to an apothecary who sells you healing potions. Um, shops are a necessity in almost all types of D&D games. And so we have to make them right. And we can do a lot better than saying, oh yeah, you guys go to the blacksmith. And uh, he says, what can I do for you? Uh, we can we can probably do a little bit better than that, right? There's nothing wrong with doing it that way, but we can improve on that so much and there's so much more room to grow. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to break down what I think is necessary for a shop to exist and what we need to have prepared for one. We're going to talk about the most common shops that players uh, want to get into and want to shop around in. And then we're going to eat. We're going to build one of each of them that you can use in your D&D games. So let's do it. Let's dive on in. So there is five questions that you need to ask. Um, for a shop to exist. 
One, is there a need for this shop to exist? So for example, a blacksmith, if there are, if, if this is a tribe of like a, a wandering tribe who doesn't actually use metal, they use like wood, wooden spears and stakes and stuff. There's no need for blacksmith there. Is there a need for a blacksmith in a capital where there are there's guards that need their weapons tailored and fashioned and cleaned and fixed, and there's people that want to defend themselves, and the, uh, hooves, um, horseshoes need to be made for hooves on horses. Like there is, there's tons of stuff that's needed in that. So there is an actual need and relevance for a blacksmith. So qu- first question: Is there a need? There needs to be a need for this to exist. The shop would not exist only for the D&D party. If there isn't a reason that the blacksmith would be there other than to serve the D&D party, it shouldn't be there because they wouldn't know that the D&D party is coming, right? There needs to be a name. Number two, there needs to be a name. There has to be a title to this shop that distinguishes it from other shops. A majority of the time, a um, in some campaigns, it's, it's called the blacksmith. So you guys go to the blacksmith and Joe is the guy at the, at the counter and he says, what can I do for you? The blacksmith. Well, what about Hawk weaponry? What about, um, what about armaments of so-and-so or however you want to do it? Giving it a name and giving it a cool name can help build a little bit about that character. Um, I'm currently running a campaign uh, and this continent is, is kind of orc. Uh, I say infested, it more has a huge population of orcs and half orcs who kind of have spread all over the continent, but these orcs are more um, civilized than a regular orc. So they're able to actually communicate and they're kind of nestled in with the populace. And so their shops are just called blacksmith, library, beer. Like that's, that's just what their, that's just what their shops are called. And it's awesome. And my players love it because that gives world building to that type of, that type of town, this town called Fellowkin, where it's a majority of orcs that own all the shops, and the, and the, they aren't very creative with their naming. It, it just it's not needed to them. That that doesn't matter. So, uh, depending on the place you put it, that might make sense. But for a majority of cases, you need a proper name for your shop. Number three, there needs to be an owner and staff that runs this shop. Unless it, unless it is a oddly magical shop that has no staff and things just happen, which is cool, a majority of the time you need people to run this shop. You need an NPC or two that's going to be in there and help fashion these items that the party needs, or be across the counter for them to give the money to, or barter, or make the hammer to anvil, make the weapon. There's a lot of. Um, things that need to be done for items to get to the players. And so there needs to be people to do that. Number four, there needs to be a specialization. Uh, You are not going to just have a shop that's like, oh, this is a one-way stop shop for everything. Everything you could possibly ask for is in this one shop. Uh, No, we're specialized. Um, I, uh, you can specialize either as thin or as thick as you want, or as a generic to as specialized as you want. Maybe the blacksmith just handles all the metalworking in the town, or there's a weaponsmith and an armorsmith, and a like, um, and th- those two work on two different shops, and so they don't actually even interact with each other, and so there's two different places to go for that. That can that's totally possible. You could do it that way, or you can say, hey, there's just one blacksmith and he handles it. It's up to you. 
uh, but they do have to have a specialization. Chances are that there's not just one dude who can do 40 different s- skills. And if they can, uh, let me know about that NPC. I want them in my campaign too. Lastly, there needs to be a stock. There needs to be stuff that the party can buy. And that is really difficult for a lot of DMs. It's really challenging whenever they say, what's in the shop? Oh, well, what are you looking for? <laughs> right? There's so much stuff that can be in this shop. It's like if I go up, if I go into Lowe's and I walk up to a guy and say, hey, what do you guys have here? Dude, everything, <laughs> everything that you could possibly ask for that would be in a Lowe's is probably in this Lowe's, dude. So it doesn't. Uh, it, it's hard to try and iron out what exactly a shop has because there's a lot of stuff to keep track of. Um, and we're going to talk about a couple ways that we can handle the stock of a uh, shop. So we're going to talk about the most common types of shops that players are looking for. There's six. A blacksmith, um, forging special items, selling basic weaponry and armor. Uh, you can also, again, specialize into weaponsmith and armorsmith and the like. But a majority of the time, it's just blacksmith. Just dude, selling metal stuff. Metal worker. Great. That's one. Second one is a general store. It's like the Walmart for your adventuring, for your adventuring party. It's your rope, your bed rolls, your torches, your um, <clears throat> your water skins, however you want to do it. Um, normally, they take the form of a hunting shop or it's a guild, an, a, an adventurer's guild, who sells items for adventurers to adventurers, right? So... Um, <clears throat> this is where a majority of the party gets like they resupply, right? Oh, I'm going to go get my rations. I'm going to go get my rope because I spent my rope at the last place. Uh, I'm going to go here and there or wherever. Uh, there's an equipment page in the player's handbook that has a lot of stuff. I will usually just stick what that, that player's handbook page that has all that stuff. And it's, that's, that's what that one has. So you need a, you need a bucket. Yeah, we got buckets. You need bell bearings. We got bell bearings. You need, um, sorry, ball bearings. We got ball bearings. You have, you need a backpack. We have backpacks. So, um, a general store just kind of has generic items that adventurers would probably use. And so they're probably going to go there for those items. Third one is an apothecary or some for, uh, some form of a potion maker or po- potion shop. There are two things that you get here, healing potions and not healing potions. Majority of the time it's healing potions. Healing potions are awesome, and they allow for parties to keep themselves up while uh, the healer is either focusing on more damage or support or whatever they're focusing on, But or if they don't have a healer at all. If the party doesn't have a healer at all, it allows them to uh, keep themselves up for a little bit longer in D&D combat. So, or the uh, they're there for other specialized potions, speed potions, invisibility potions, um, strength potions, you name it. There's probably... Uh, a player looking for a type of potion and sometimes it can also be hard to homebrew certain types of potions or look up what what is balanced and fair for a potion because like a potion of quickness do you think that is a speed potion that gives you bonus movement speed or the spell haste in a bottle like that is like that can be super confusing for a new dm uh but also for someone who 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 does know thinks well what am i supposed to do with that this party's level two i'm not giving them a potion of potion of haste i'm i'm gonna give up i what do i do what do i do right so we'll talk about apothecaries up in a minute next up is the magic item shop 
And it's a rare commodity in most cities. Most cities don't have a magic item shop, but a uh, a very well-off city uh, might have a magic shop where adventurers can purchase magic items, um, bags of holding, um, rods of immo immovability, um, and items like that. Smaller magical items. You're not buying, you know, Vorpal swords out from this vendor on the street. Um, but there is merit to having this. Um, especially if it's a very well-off city with a high amount of adventurers. A lot of adventurers brings a lot of traffic and a lot of gold. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of wealth to be made in selling magic items to um, adventuring parties. Next up is going to be the tavern. I'm labeling this a shop because people uh, buy uh, goods and services from here, food and drink. And uh, this is a great hub a central hub for your party and for the uh, the people that they find themselves with a lot. Um, so your tavern is going to be a place where the party can go to relax and go to meet new people. Um, so it's not necessarily like you're buying items so much as you're buying knowledge, which is fair to say as well. Uh, and then the last one, the sixth one, is an inn or someplace that you can stay the night and rest your head. Unless the party owns a house, a majority of the parties don't own a house. They will stay at an inn as they are traveling between cities. So you have your blacksmith, general store, apothecary, magic item shop, tavern, and inn. Designing each of these for each city and each district in the capital would be an absolute nightmare to do. So no one is expecting you to say, I have 30 locations on this continent. I need to make 30 blacksmiths, 30 general stores, 30 taverns, 30 and that's just it's that's unreasonable and would take way too much time. So let's talk about what we would do instead. Here's what I would do. I would make one of each. I make one blacksmith, one general store, one apothecary, one magic shop, one tavern, one inn. And I have them in my back pocket until I hear the party say, let's go to the tavern. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the tavern that I have in my back pocket. And I'm going to say, all right, now it's in this city the city that the party's currently in. And then at the end of the session, whenever I'm prepping for my next session, I'm just going to make a new tavern. And I'm going to put it back. I'm going to have a new one back in my back pocket. And then the next time the party goes somewhere, they say, let's go to a tavern. I take that one out and I put it in. That way, I really only have six shops in my head at a time. I don't have to think of 30 blacksmiths, 30 this, whatever, 10 of these. It's just six, one of each of them. And every time that a party goes to one, you take it off of your notes, you put it in the world that they're in right there, uh, you tweak it depending on where they are from. So maybe maybe you had a human running this shop, but now you're in an elvish kingdom. Okay, well, I'm just going to change the name a little bit, make it a little bit more elvish, and then make the person an elf and make their name a little bit more elvish. Done. Doesn't have to be super tough, doesn't have to be super complicated. Just make one of each and insert them as you go. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to make one of each of these shops. And you can use these for your D&D campaigns. The, uh, the purpose of this is to show that it shouldn't be too difficult to make these and we shouldn't have to stress about them. But if we put in more effort than we might normally put in, they can turn out to be really neat shops. Let's talk blacksmiths. Blacksmithing is epic. Uh, this is going to be inserted in random generic city here. The blacksmith might make weapons for the guard or militia. It might be a, might be a smith for tools, armor, and gear. Um, so either it is a diverse set of skilled workers 
that work in one store or their separate shops. For the sake of time, we'll make it a one-stop shop for all your metalworking needs. Valkyrie Armaments is the name of this blacksmith. Valkyries are mythological legends of powerful warriors, which is super cool. I dig it. Um, so the first, remember, we have these five questions we need to go through with every shop. There needs to be a need. Okay, well, the need is that there's a guard or militia, and the commoner needs, um, they just need metalworking done. And so this shop is here, Valkyrie Armaments is here to do that job for them. That's the need. The name, Valkyrie Armaments. So we have the first two questions answered. What's the need? What's the name? Who runs it? The owner and staff. Let's break it down. Valkyrie Armaments is run by three people. One is an administrator and two of them are metal workers. The administrator uh, sells the items and kind of runs the shop and the other two, the blacksmiths, they work in the back and they make the items that are ordered. <clears throat> For the people who run this, we have a human who's the administrator, a red-haired and fiery human. She is... Uh, she doesn't like to take no for an answer and will often bargain or parlay with you to try and get you to buy. Her name is Freya Lee. And Freya Lee runs Valkyrie Armaments. And she loves her work and she's very proud of her work. Oftentimes, while communicating or trying to parlay with people who are buying or potential buyers, uh, they might hear bickering and arguing heard in the back of the blacksmith. Upon closer inspection, there are two metal workers, a dwarf and an elf, that bicker and argue all the time about how they should do certain things. Um, these two, the dwarf is named Baxter, and the elf is named Rainska. So Baxter and Rainska, the two of them are often at each other's throat. Not actually, but they um, they bicker a lot. And they're but they're great. They work really well together. The dwarf makes wep uh, the dwarf makes armor, <coughs> and the elf makes weapons. And they each have their own flourishes that they put on them. Um, but you can oftentimes hear them bickering and arguing about which is better, a dwarf or an elf, and stuff like that, um, over the hit of the anvil and the talking of the fiery Freya Lee. So that is um, the first three questions. There's a need, a name, a staff. What's their specialization? Well, they have two specializations because they have two blacksmiths. One is armor and one is weapons. Those are their primary services that they provide. Tuning them up, fixing them up, uh, special orders, generic weapons. So someone's like, I need a sword. All right, well, we have a couple swords in stock. What can I get for you? Um, lastly is there needs to be a stock. The uh, page in the monster, uh, not the monster manual, in the player's handbook that talks about uh, armor and weapons, they have a couple of each of those. They have a couple chain mails. They have a couple of spears, a couple of glaives, a couple of halberds, a couple of long swords. That way that if someone comes in and they want something specific, Freya Lee can just take it off the shelf and hand it to him. Yep, this is this is however much gold it is in the player's handbook. Here you go. Um, but one of the cool things about blacksmiths is that oftentimes they will have special items, um, special specially made items that are a little bit beyond uh, the average weapon. And so I'm going to give you three items that you can throw into your shops um, that are... Uh, little, I say mag they're not necessarily magical items so, long, so much as they're just improved weapons so three of them one is called the glaive of blood it is a regular glaive handle but a specialized blade head that um has some sort of special um either coating or it's a special material 
a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus a day, you can use your bonus action to slice your hand on the blade, soaking it in blood. You take 2d4 slashing damage, and the next time you land an attack with this blade within one minute, it deals an extra 2d4 damage on top of the 1d10 damage. So uh, you trade damage against yourself for damage against the opponent. If you have a lot of HP, this is a great way to give it to a barbarian or give it to a fighter and let them kind of go willy-nilly on uh, their opponents, kind of cutting themselves up and then bringing down the smackdown. Glaive of Blood. Next up is a clamp shield. It's a large tower shield, almost like a Roman tower shield um, that has these small little clamps at the bottom. It is a plus one shield, and it has a strength requirement of 13 to wield because of how heavy it is. It is chunky. There are clamps at the bottom of the shield, and a creature wielding the shield can use their bonus action to clamp it and set it into the ground. Setting it there, creatures five feet behind it can use it as half cover, and a creature can use a bonus action to pick it back up. So let's say that you guys are fighting in the middle of um, middle of a field, and there's no cover. Um, but the paladin who has this weapon, uh, he has enough armor class to kind of tussle. The wizard doesn't have anywhere to hide. The rogue doesn't have anywhere to hide. He's going to clamp it down and let them have that as cover. And he's going to go in and charge in with just his sword. Um, great way to kind of get a little bit of diversity in how you run, um, that combat with that character. It gives it a little bit more of a utility than just AC for them, right? The third one is the Makayan Longsword. The Makayan Longsword is a serrated and jagged blade um, that kind of curves and has all these spikes and all the uh, these serrations that are uh, littered among its blade. Upon landing a melee attack, you can choose to do less damage to inflict the bleed condition, which is the homebrew rule of the day, the bleed condition. You deal 1d4 plus your strength modifier damage rather than 1d8 plus your strength modifier damage or 1d6 if you're willing it with two hands. Um, you can choose to do this or not. Basically, what it means is that you're that you hit, you connect, and then you're instead of instead of driving through, you're ripping it out, um, and it causes this bleed condition. The bleed condition states at the beginning of a creature's turn who has the bleed condition, they take one d6 damage. If they have bandages, they can use an action to cure this bleeding, or any any amount of healing will cure the bleeding. The bleeding automatically ends after one minute. So, one d6 damage doesn't sound like a whole lot. Um, especially if it's only happening once per turn. And so a lot of monsters will just kind of, oh, whatever, I'm bleeding, whatever. But over the course of combat, that could lead up to 66, 76 damage. That's pretty serious. And it only is just 1d6 damage at a time, but it kind of, again, compound damage over time. Bleed is a great way to um, deal a little bit of extra damage, but at the cost of the starting damage is a little bit lower. So those three weapons, you can toss them into your D and D uh, into your blacksmith shops just to kind of diversify what kind of wares they might have. I'm going to move on to the gen, uh, to a generic shop, uh, the one stop shop for uh, the lows of uh, of D and D adventuring, if you will. This is called Bullseye. It's a hunting and adventuring shop that has all sorts of goodies. Run by a tiefling, a cool purple tiefling with curled horns. The tiefling is named Cinder. Cinder made Bullseye to support his family. Uh, he was injured after hunting, um, but he still has a passion for it. Um, Bullseye specifies or uh, specializes in hunting and the equipment of the such. Um, that only really makes sense if that is put in a location that has 
a reason for hunting. So if there's crazy powerful animals out in the wilderness by the city, that's a great place to put it. So we've answered already a couple of questions. Is there a need for it? So there's there's hunting that can happen in the areas around it. All right, great. Is there a name for it? Bullseye. Who runs it? Cinder runs it. What do they specialize in? They specialize in hunting. And lastly, what is his stock? His stock is the generic adventuring gear you might need with extra stuff leaning into the um, side of <laughs> the side of hunting. Bear traps, um, extra arrows and stuff. Things that would uh, like um, like duck calls or whatever. Um, things like that that would help attract um, creatures. So that's the bullseye. Next up is the apothecary. The apothecary is going to be called Jade's Apothecary. I've talked about Jade in another episode of mine. Jade is one of my favorite NPCs um, in one of my campaigns. And Jade's Apothecary, she made, she kind of just likes to mess with people. She, Jade is the, is the owner of the shop and her brother Jasper. So Jade and Jasper run the shop. They're uh, half-orc uh, siblings. And so Jade has a disguised self on her pretty much at all times. Um, that makes her look like a super ugly witch, like an ugly little hag who is uh, selling these potions. Um, but it's actually just a really nice half orc underneath it, but she just likes to uh, cause problems and mess with people, right? And so she will be very flirtatious with the party as they enter, and uh, she'll sell potions to them, whatever kind of potions that they want or that she has. Um, and her brother Jasper is invisible. Her brother Jasper has the invisibility um, spell on him whenever he's interacting with people and he will float, not really float, but he'll hold the witch hat that she wears over her head and kind of move it around. So it looks like the hat has its own like sense of sense of self and it's like moving around and floating, Ooh, but it's actually just Jasper carrying it around and trying not to laugh. So Jasper and Jade are like, they're, they're comedic and they're funny. Um, and once you actually get to know them, the facade will drop and you'll be able to actually see them for themselves. But Jade and Jasper run Jade's apothecary. So uh, that gives you the name, the need. Uh, the need would be that there's adventurers in this city uh, that need uh, healing potions or potions of the like. Maybe there's some tournament happening nearby for adventurers. And so that means that Jade's is getting busy. So there's a need, the name, the staff, specialization, potions, and the stock. Um, stocking a apothecary can be difficult. Um, just a couple of quick potions you can throw in there. Uh, a speed potion, drinking it imp improves your movement speed by 15 feet for 10 minutes. Um, that's a great one. The, um, the potion of courage, you drink it and you are immune to the frightened condition uh, for one hour. Um, a healing potion, <laughs> uh, it heals... Uh, there's healing potions in the player's handbook. Um, I prefer to use a grades of them. So there's there's grades one through nine of healing potions. And a healing potion heals uh, a number of D6 equal to the level. Um, plus your constitution modifier equal to the level. So if I have a level two healing potion, I'm going to roll 2D6 plus two times my constitution modifier. So I have a constitution modifier of two. A level two healing potion is going to heal me 2D6 plus four. And I just roll it. That's, that's really simple, really easy to learn. I just keep levels one through three in her shop and they get more expensive the higher the grade. So there it is. There's courage, there's speed, there's healing. And they're not going to really, you know, if they need something more, you can kind of make that up on the fly. 
Next up is the magic item shop. A, a magic item shop is, a, again, it's a rare commodity in most cities, and you won't need to pull this out too often because if the city doesn't call for it, you don't have to have one. A, a party that goes to a small hamlet and goes, is there a magic item shop? You can just say, no, there is not a magic item shop here. No one here needs magic items. They all are farmers, and they just farm. And the one guy who has magic is the is the mayor who has the light cantrip so he can walk around town and check on everybody. Like that's like, that's it. That's all that this town's got. And that's a cute little town. That's nice. Um, but if you do have a magic item shop, here is an example, the dragon's horde, the dragon's horde is in a large city. Um, that's why the name horde, they keep a lot of neat different magic items and they have a lot of them at their disposal. It is run by a, Halfling on stilts, known as Zipkit Butters, who is just happy to be there, and he doesn't really need to think about anything too hard. He just walks on stilts to stock the shelves, and he serves as the register, uh, the cashier for the Dragon's Horde. So Zipkit Butters and his boss, a Goliath who doesn't really, who's kind of like sulks in the corner, and it's kind of hard to get his name. Um, the two of them run the Dragon's Horde. The need is that there is a large amount of adventurers here or people that need magic items. In a, huge, in a huge city, there's a lot of different kinds of people. So there may be people or even royalty that need magic items. The name, Treasure's Horde. The owner and staff, Zipkit Butters and his boss, the Goliath. The specialization is magic items. And then the stock... <sighs> Stocking a place like this is hard because... DMs are worried that they need to make up magic items on the spot, which you can, but you don't have to. I seriously would just take a handful of uncommon magic items from the Dungeon Master's Guide, and I'd throw them in here. Just say, oh, there's a bag of holding, there's a couple of healing potions, there is a, wand, uh, a rod of immovability, there is an amulet of protection, or this, or um, however you want to do it. Um, just take a handful of different magic items that aren't incredibly powerful and don't have an incredibly... Um, high price tag and throw them in there. Yeah, you got you can get a bag of holding for fifty five gold. Sure, that's great. That is that is awesome, and that's that's a magic item shop. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Next is the tavern. I'm going to combine the tavern and the inn uh, for the sake of time, just because they oftentimes are put together and they doesn't have to be one or one and then the other. You can put them both in the same spot. What is the need? People need to relax. People can't just be work, work, work all the time. They will burn out. And so there needs to be a place for people to relax. And the tavern is a great place for that. There's drink, there's food, there's entertainment, there's games, there's people. Socializing there's, socializing is a great way to relax. And so the tavern exists for that reason. And the inn exists for a similar reason that people, after they hang out there for too long, either need a place to sleep or people that are passing through the town also need a place to lay their head and rest. And so there's money to be made on both ends. The name of this is called the eye patch. Uh, I've talked about this on a, in an episode prior. The eye patch is run by a half orc named Davy Puckett who lost his eye after getting into a squabble with a owl bear. And he tells that story all the time. 
and Davy Puckett kind of runs the thing by himself. He has a couple of uh, barmaids and cooks um, who just kind of meander in and out. But Davy Puckett is the star of the show. He's the bartender, and he is very friendly, and he loves telling stories and hearing stories. And so oftentimes he'll sit across from a party and be like, what is the bravest thing you have done ever? And they're like, uh, well, we fought a dragon once. And he's like, what? That's crazy. And he'll freak out. And that'll be, that's a cool moment for the party. That'll be fun. Um, so questions. What is the need? We have that. People need to relax and people need to sleep. What is the name? The eye patch. Who runs it? Davy Puckett. Uh, what is the specialization? Specialization is in um, entertainment and in uh, hospitality, which is food and lodging. So that's the spe- that's the special specialization is that uh, this is a place for the party to go to relax and to eat and to sleep. And then lastly, what is the service or what is the what is the array of selections that they can choose from? Um, if it's I, I kind of narrow it down into one of three different things. One, it's what the tavern can scrounge up. <laughs> so it's not much as a couple of different things, potatoes and and foods and stuff, uh, a couple different ales. If it's by a seaside or like by a port, a lot of fish. And if it's in the thick of the country, there's a lot of like a lot of lambs, a lot of sheep, uh, a lot of steak, that kind of stuff. Um, the drinks, you don't have to have a different kind of drink. Um, honestly, whenever the party says, whenever the, the, the rogue eventually says, I'll take your strongest ale. You know what I do? I say, all right. He takes out a glass and he pours a cup of this blank liquid this blank colored liquid, whatever color you want to make it. If it is brown, they're going to think, oh, it's like a liquor. If you're like, it's purple. They're like, oh crap, what is this? And they're like, what is this? And you say, oh, it's purple ale. (laughs) They're going to be like, all right, bet. So again, doesn't have to be anything too crazy. You don't have to get super deep names into it. Um, So Davey Puckett, he, they say, give me your strongest ale. You're like, yeah, I got you. Here's this green, here's this super thick green liquid. He puts it in a glass with an ice cube and slides it over to you. And you drink it, make a con save, a 12, yeah, you fail, you're drunk. <laughs> that's that's fun. Party will have a good time with that, and you don't have to think too, too hard about it. You don't have to make it uh, super difficult. Um, so beyond that, that's that's really it. You take one of each of those, you put them in your shops, and you put those shops in your world, and you keep them into your side until the party asks for one. You, put it, you plug it in, and then you make a new one. And making a new one shouldn't take more than five minutes because it doesn't have to it doesn't have to take more than five minutes in 30 minutes i got to talk about all these shops and then make these shops and now they're there until i need them i can keep them there as long as i need there's until until they are needed so my encouragement to you is this is that as you develop your world with smaller encounters like this it makes the world feel so much bigger and that may seem like weird. Like, why would the small thing make it feel bigger? Um, because if we think only grand scale, only the world-ending event that happened a millennia ago that the world is recovering from, but we don't think about the life of the people that lived it or the lives of the people that are living in the aftermath, uh, we lose the sense of pers- personality that might come with it. And so whenever the party interacts with these stores and they interact with these people, these NPCs, I ensure I, I assure you that the world will feel richer if you invest just a little bit more time than saying the blacksmith run by Joe. Nothing, nothing against Joe, right? But the blacksmith, the uh, the Valkyrie's armaments run by Freya Lee, um, and the two and the dwarf and the dwarf and elf that are arguing and bickering in the back. That feels a little bit more thick and a little bit more rich 
than the blacksmith run by Joe, right? So I encourage you to think deep and think just a little bit more about what you are putting in your shops and what your shops are called. And I promise you that your games will reap the benefits from it. Thank you so much for listening to the Wizard Apprentice Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at the Wizard Apprentice Podcast where uh, we are posting daily questions and we have uh, links to um, to different resources for DMs like our homebrew stat blocks that came out yesterday. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you guys next time. Oh, my God.